Um, we are on Exodus 31, and, and you can see here that the, uh, it's a really short chapter compared to what we have been going through. Um, again, this is that last section of Exodus that began in, in chapter 25, 13 of the 16 final chapters about the tabernacle in some way. Um, so, um, that means, though, that, that there are two sections of tabernacle um, instructions there. And in the middle, there are three chapters. And you get there next week. So, so next week will not be tabernacle. Uh, but, but uh, in fact, we'll spend three or four, five weeks there in that, that, that section. Um, so... Uh, Exodus 32 next week, but remember that that the tabernacle. One of the things that that Sarna mentions, and I think is is right on, is that the tabernacle. The reason for the tabernacle is that it serves as a symbol of God's presence, uh, with continued presence with the people of Israel. So, a real quick review from last week, um, chapter 30. We had that broken down into five sections. The ESV has four. Um, but we spent most of our time on, on the first one and the last one uh, on this list, the altar of incense and the, and the incense. Um, and we, we, our theme from that was uh, taken from a verse that has a verse in each section that has the identical quote, which is this, where I will meet you. So the high priest, if you remember, was to offer up continual incense, morning, evening, day after day, etc., on and on and on and on and on to, first of all, uh, as, as, as the high priest would go meet with the Lord periodically, would put a big cloud of incense uh, in the air so that it would obscure the view of the presence of the Lord. That was one thing. But the other thing was that it would, through that continual incense, change the smell of that place to a sweet smell that the Lord would love. And, and, and uh, it, the New Testament makes the connection uh, that, that our prayers are incense. And, and if we thought of our prayers that way, if we thought of our prayers that they are a sweet smell to God, that, that God enjoys that, that smell of our prayer. He loves that time. He loves to meet with us. And so our prayers are our daily prayers. Even when we think that nothing's happening, are actually doing something. You know, our bodies are compared to a temple and, and compared to a tent. Well, you can think of continual prayers as saturating the tent with that fragrant fragrance, that sweet-smelling fragrance that the Lord loves. Uh, and so there's always a lot happening when we pray. Uh, we, are, we are coming before God, and, and he, is, he is changing us as we go. And so we are to, to saturate the tent with our prayers, kind of like this. This here's a picture of the uh, a, a rendering of the altar of incense. It's pretty good, I think, of the the altar. It's it's probably not so much as good as the big cloud of smoke. Uh, 
But, but it probably looks something like that. So let's move on to Exodus uh, 31. So the ESV has this in two divisions. Um, they are, these are the ESV divisions. Aholiav and Bezalel um, and the Sabbath. So divided, not quite in the middle, but, but I'm not quite sure why um, the ESV put this, this heading, the first one, because actually it's backwards from the way that they appear in the, in the, in the text. And not only that, but uh, Bezalel seems to be the main character of the two people, um, but that's the way that the ESV lists it. So, um, and the bigger point is this, that, that, it, that God fills the, the Beit Salel with, with his spirit, with the spirit of God, which seems to be a much bigger point in, in this section. And so we'll change that first one to, we'll use the same verse there, but um, filled with the Spirit of God, we'll change it to that. Um, and then secondly, the Sabbath, we'll, we'll leave that, but we'll just make a little bit of a change to it. But um, these two, these same two things, there's, there's so much in there that we can't cover it all tonight. And so here's the plan. Um, we're going to go a little bit more quickly through the first part. Um, and spend more time on the Sabbath. And then when we get to Exodus 35, these two things are both in that chapter as well. Uh, and we'll, take, we'll, we'll flip that around and spend more time on filled with the Spirit of God uh, when we get to Exodus 35. And then um, the ESV doesn't do this. They just kind of lump this last verse in with with um, the Sabbath, but the stone tablets are are addressed in one verse here. So if you remember this whole time we've been we've been talking about the tabernacle. Right before that, uh, this is what happened in, in Exodus twenty four. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and wait there, that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment, which I have written for their instruction. Well, that was Exodus 24. Um, and since then, we've been, Moses has been up on that mountain. This whole time while we've been talking about the tabernacle, Moses is up on the mountain um, waiting. He gets all these instructions, but at the end of the day today, uh, he gets the stone tablets. So, so that's what's in this chapter. We'll, we'll break it down into sections. Again, with this uh, first section, again, we'll deal with this more fully in the next uh, a few weeks from now. But I'm not just going to like skip it or read right through it, read straight through it. We'll talk a little bit about it. So, and the Lord said to Moses... I've got that um, in yellow because you were, if you remember from last time, I mentioned that, that most of this section about the tabernacle um, from 25 all the way, chapter 25 all the way to 3010 was one long quotation that began this way. And the Lord said to Moses. And since then, this is the fifth one, fifth time it has said this. 
Um, not exactly word for word in Hebrew, but, but the same thing. Um, so there have been six times now that the Lord has said in his speech about the tabernacle, and the Lord said to Moses, or that's what the text says, and the Lord said to Moses, six times. So I, commentators make a big deal of this, and I, and I think they're right. First, I was a little bit skeptical about it, but I think they're right that this is meant to remind us of something. And the Lord said, 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 and the Lord said. Six times. It's supposed to remind us of, and God said, six days in a row. That's what it's supposed to remind us of. That, that God, in Genesis 1, as, as you remember, uh, Genesis 1 begins this way. Genesis 1, first three verses. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. So that's the sixth time that this, that this has started this way in in Exodus, and the Lord said, um, and, and God said is, is, happens way more than six times, but it happens at the beginning of each day in, in the creation story. See, we, we'll touch on that, we'll come back to that in just a minute. See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. So that means, called by name, means that he's been, he's been appointed. He's been set apart for some tasks. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God. So this is the third time in Scripture that, that it makes reference, the Scripture makes reference to the, the Spirit of God. Once is in Genesis 41, when Pharaoh says, can we find anybody like this with whom, in whom is the Spirit of God? Or some translations would put it, a divine spirit. But anyway, jo- spoke, speak, spoken about Joseph. The other one, I just read. From Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and void. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And so I left out, and darkness was over the face of the deep. But the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So those are the three times that this has happened so time. Once in, in creation, and once here, regarding the Tabernacle. So the point is that just as the Spirit of God was present and active uh, in creation, the Spirit of God is present 
and active in making this tabernacle, the place for the Lord's presence to dwell. The Spirit of God is here. And so, um, here's what, here, what does that mean though? And I have filled him with the Spirit of God. What does it mean that Bezalelah was was filled with the Spirit of God? We hear a lot about being filled with the Spirit, right? We think about being filled with the Spirit. New Testament talks about being filled with the the Spirit. Um, And we are going to talk about that at some point when we get to to chapter 35. So um, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit of God? Well, the context here, the text tells us what he, what he means by it right here, what the Lord means when he says it. I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood, to work in every craft. So that's what it means here in Exodus to be for God to fill Bezalel with the Spirit. So Kael and Delich put it this way. Filling with the Spirit of God signifies the communication of an extraordinary and supernatural endowment and qualification. And it doesn't mean that the people weren't already skillful, that Bezalel wasn't already skillful, but that he had, God has done something, is still done something better, different, supernatural with him. Um, so, what about under the new covenant? What does what does that mean to be filled with the Spirit? Does it mean the same thing? Well. Um, you'll have to keep coming back till we get to Exodus 35 before we talk about that. But, but um, instead, we're just going to look at this, these verses a little bit more closely and stay in the context here. Now, where it says, I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence and it, with knowledge. So if you have anything but the ESV, it doesn't say that. Um, you, the King James Version and NIV and New American Standard all say about the same thing, and they say this. Um, in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge. So that's just the more normal way to translate the words that that um, are here in Hebrew. Um, that that's uh, New American Standard, NIV, and King James Go with the norm, the thing, the way you would normally translate it. I'm not saying that the ESV means something different. They're trying to communicate the same thing, but um, they do translate them slightly differently. Uh, and so, verse four: to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in Carving wood to work in every craft. And behold, I have appointed with him Aholiav, the son of Ahi, 
Smach, Ahismach, um, of the tribe of Dan. And I have given to all able men ability. So, so uh, again, New American Standard will say it's slightly different from this. Uh, and in the hearts of all who are skillful, I will put skill. They're, they're translating the same, same words there. They're, they're translating the word that's often translated as wisdom. But does this mean then that if anybody has an ability... Um, that it has been given to him or her from God. Is that what that means? Well, it's certainly true, but it's it's not what what it's not the point that um, is being made here. It's true because everything we have, we've been given from God. All our gifts and all our abilities, we've been given from God. But this means that these people. It likely means this. These people were already skilled. But God is giving them, he's taking skilled people and giving them additional ability, like with Bezalel at the beginning. So just as the Spirit has been active in creation, he is active here as human beings are going to prepare to do the work through the Spirit. And I have given to you uh, able men of Ability. There we go. The tent of meeting and the ark of the covenant. So what's going here now is he's going to list off. The Lord's going to list off to Moses um, a summary of all the things that he's covered in those first um, first chapters, from chapter twenty-five through chapter thirty of the things in the tabernacle. So these are the things he's going to construct. These people are going to construct the tent of meeting and the Ark of the Testimony, and the mercy seat that is on it, and all the furnishings of the tent, the table and its utensils, and the pure lampstand, with all its utensils, and the altar of incense. So those are the things that are inside the tabernacle. Now things that are outside in the courtyard, and the altar of burnt offering, with all its utensils, and the basin and its stand, and now the things that the priests wear, and the finely worked garments, the holy garments for Aaron and the priest, Aaron the priest, and the garments for his sons, for their service as priests. And finally, um, the oil and the anointing oil and the incense that we talked about, and the anointing oil and the fragrant incense for the holy place, according to all that I have commanded you, they shall do. So there to make these things. Now we'll move on to. Um, the Sabbath. So, so if you've been a regular attender on Sunday nights, you might think, I, I think we've talked about the Sabbath before. Well, if, if you think that, you're, you're right. Um, remember the, the, you shall remember the Sabbath and keep it holy is in the Ten Commandments. And we, that, those are in Exodus, right? And so Exodus chapter 20. Uh, also earlier, the Sabbath was addressed in Exodus chapter 16 um, when the Lord gives the manna. Um, and he tells, you know, they're going to they're gonna collect double on the day before so that they can rest on the Sabbath. So um, we have talked about it before. So, so why is it here? 
Why, why address it a third time? Well, God's been giving instructions for the tabernacle, and, and it just seems like this doesn't really fit. Well, it does fit. So here, here's how it fits. Is what happened after the six days when God spoke in creation? He rested. He rested on the seventh day. So what happens after, after six times when the Lord tells them how to make the tabernacle? He tells them to rest. So I mentioned earlier that um, one of my favorite verses or favorite hymns was, um, it's, it's not really called Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, but that's what I call it. Um, but one of my, one of my favorite verses when I was growing up, I remember this. You know, I, th- I have fond memories of, of being the age of the kids that 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 Dan uh, deals with. Um, was in this church. Um, I know that that at 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 some retreat somewhere, don't know when it was. Um, this verse, Colossians three, two, stuck with me. Set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on earth. So that's a New American Standard because that's the way that I learned it. Um, That's what we had. So that seems like a good idea, doesn't it? To me, that seems like a really, really good idea. To set our minds on the things above and not on the things that are on earth. Earth. So, so last week we talked about thinking of our, our prayers differently instead of just asking, thinking of them as we're asking for requests. Um, we are supposed to request things, but, but thinking of them as this sweet smell. Uh, it, it can change our perspective if we think about those kind of things, that the Lord loves those prayers. The Lord loves it when we come to him in Prayer. So tonight I'm going to ask you to think about the Sabbath a little bit differently, too. So, so when we think about the Sabbath, we usually think about things like this. Some, some of these kind of questions. Does the command to keep the Sabbath apply today? Does it cross over into the New Covenant If it does, how does it apply today? So, what do you think? You don't have to blurt it out loud, but get get in your mind. What do you think about that? Well, whatever you said, I can can assure you one thing. You have theologians who agree with you. (laughs) Because they are all over the map on this all over the map on this. We can sometimes think of it in practical terms like, what do I have to do on the Sabbath? What can't I do on the Sabbath? I mean, can we work on the Sabbath now? Can we, can we play on the Sabbath now? Can we do those things? So some of us, just, you know, we think, we think, of the times when, when 
almost nothing was, nobody worked on, almost nobody worked on Sundays, right? So we, we think about those times and think, wouldn't it be great if we did that now? Well, here's one thing we can think about. There's nothing preventing us from doing that. There is nothing preventing us from observing a Sabbath. And what have we thought about it this way? As a day to do this. Set your mind on things above. Not on things that are on the earth. So, we all, we talked about this a little early. We all think it would be a good idea to set our minds on things above. We just... We just do. If we could only find a day to do that. Right? Well, God baked it into creation for us. Right? So, remember what he said. What Jesus said. The Sabbath was made for man. We know about the part, don't be too late. Legalistic, because that means it's not made. The man's not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. The Sabbath was made for our good. Set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on the earth. So that that's kind of the point of this Sabbath section, and it's the only one. Uh, it's the only one that we're really going to talk about as we go through this. What is the Sabbath? It is an opportunity. It's baked in opportunity for us. And the Lord said to Moses, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, Yahweh, sanctify you. So just a few things to point out here. ESV translates it this way, and and yours will read slightly different. Uh, Some almost, they they kind of miss the point. If if you don't put some, there's a big difference between saying, above all, you shall keep my Sabbath and you shall keep my Sabbaths. Because some translations say that. Um, it's, a, it's a little tiny word in Hebrew. Uh, it, it can have some pretty significant force. Um, and I think it does have some really significant force uh, here. Um, but the point being made with this statement is, the divine command, this is from Sarna again, the divine command to build the tabernacle does not supersede the observance of the Sabbath. In other words, the important work that you're going to do in building the tabernacle does not mean that you shouldn't observe the Sabbath. Um, there was a story in the not too long, American Center for Law and Justice. I don't know if you follow that them. Um, but they, they've got this story in there about your, your, your freedom to worship is under attack. And, and the point is they're, they're, they're charging. Um, somebody has denied um, a postal worker Sunday off. 
so that because he wants to go to church. He hasn't, he hasn't, he hasn't had to do that his whole career. Uh, and the American Center for Law and Justice uh, is taking the government to court um, about this. So I have a prediction. They lose. They're not going to win that case. I can't see them winning the case. Can you can you hear an attorney on the other side say, so are you saying there are no Christians who work on Sunday? Um, besides, he doesn't have to be a postal worker. He can do something else. I I don't think there's any way that they're going to win that case. So, above all, you shall keep my Sabbath. So no matter how important your work is, it is not to supersede the Sabbath, this is for Israel. And there have always been things. Some people have to, by necessity, work on the Sabbath. Uh, that is the case. The priests did. Um, you have all kinds of other things that have to. Military does. I mean, there are things like that. There were things like that then. then. So most people, are so, and, and by the way, God had, did a pretty important work in creation, and he rested on the seventh day. So most people associate two things with the Sabbath, Sabbath, either rest and worship. This one is about rest in, in Exodus 31. So it also gives us a couple more reasons for the Sabbath. For this is a sign between me and, and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, Yahweh, Sanctify you. So it's a sign for Israel. And it's also a way for them to know something. To know that it's the Lord who sets them apart. The Lord that makes them holy. The Lord who sanctifies them. So how about us? I mean, if you just even think about those things. If you observe the Sabbath, is that a sign? Of something. If you observe the Sabbath, do you think that helps us understand that it's the Lord that sanctifies us? Do you think the Lord sanctifies us by observing the Sabbath? Of course He does. So, if we took a day in seven to do that, would it change things for us? Would it matter to us? So here's, um, Peter N. said this about, this about this part of the verse. By not keeping the Sabbath, an Israelite was showing that he or she was not interested in knowing that I am the Lord. Because that's what happens on the Sabbath. And you shall keep the Sabbath, because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it 
that soul shall be cut off from among his people. So put to death means, means put to death by people. Cut off from his people is something that, that God does. And I feel really, really confident about this. If we, are, if we were required to keep the Sabbath, and if this were strictly enforced, none of us would be here tonight. Right? We would all be dead. So, here, here's the first reason. When's the Sabbath? Most people say Saturday. Sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. That's the Sabbath. So, and, and we call, some of us call Sunday the Sabbath. So how, do, how, does, that, how does that happen? How did that happen? Well, here's a real quick overview of how it got to be, how we got to view the Sabbath as Sunday. At least many in the church got to view um, Sunday as the Sabbath. The early church celebrated, uh, the early church observed, the Jewish believers observed the Sabbath and then celebrated, got together with other believers um, and celebrated the Lord's Day, met on the Lord's Day, which is Sunday, which is the day of the resurrection. Gradually, as the church got, grew and included more Gentiles, uh, it was not common after a few centuries for Gentiles to, to observe the Sabbath. They weren't Jews, right? And so the church just gradually moved to a Sunday service um, exclusively and just to uh, began to equate it with at least in some circles, the Sabbath. And, and basically you've moved it from one day to uh, the next. So that's how, it, that's how it happened. Six days you shall, work shall be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath shall be put to death. So... Um, maybe one of the reasons we don't think we need to observe this is because um, we don't work like this. I mean, physical labor back then, six days a week, is not what we have. We have a little bit shorter work week. We have a little bit shorter work day than they did. And so, and so maybe the rest isn't as big a deal to us, but I have a question for you. Who says, I just get too much rest? I've never heard anybody say that. That's my problem. I get too much rest. I have too much time spent focusing on rest and and on worship. I I have too much of that. So, we can see that the, the, the Sabbath day is clearly required for Israel right here. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant Forever applies to Israel clearly. Um, does it apply to anybody else? It, it's just not even addressed in this point. But, but earlier in Exodus 20, we saw the Ten Commandments, and this is one of them to keep the Sabbath. Um, and here's a really good argument: 
Which of the other Ten Commandments don't we have to keep? Aren't we supposed to keep? Um, You're not going to find, let's see. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Are we supposed to keep that one? Um, You shall not murder. Probably keep that one. You shall not steal. So they all apply. So here we are. Let's we'll we'll read and then this verse and then we'll talk a little bit more about this section. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. So, um, so what, is, what does that mean, that he was refreshed? Well, we know that God doesn't get tired. That, that's clear from passages in Scripture. And he doesn't need rest, uh, but he takes it. Um, we know that, that it says that he rested from his work. Um, uh, and another way you could translate was this, and we, we kind of use this term, uh, and he took a breath. Right? He, he paused So, we'll get to this question, but we can't cover it in, in great detail. Are we as Christians supposed to keep the Sabbath? Well, there, as I mentioned, there are just lots and lots and lots of opinions about that. But one of the strongest reason, reasons for saying yes um, is this verse right here and verses like it. That it's based in creation, which predates Moses, predates Abraham. And so it, its grounding applies to all people, not just the people of Israel. God, still, God created the world in six days, even for the people in China, right? So that had, that had no knowledge of this. Um, for for thousands of years. So the reason for the Sabbath does apply to all people. So Deuteronomy, though, gives a different reason for keeping the Sabbath. Here's what it says in Deuteronomy. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So two reasons now are given for observing the Sabbath. One is creation, and one is redemption. God redeems his people from Israel. God rescues his people from Israel. So as you put yourself in the, in the Israelite shoes... Um, and you think about you're observing the Sabbath. Do you think that the reason for these things ever comes into mind? Why are we doing this again? Oh, yeah, because the Lord created the earth, heaven and the earth in, in six days, and he rested on the seventh. Oh, yeah, because he, he redeemed us from Israel. So if we took one day in seven to rest and to think about those things. Would it make a difference in our lives? 
Would it make a difference? Through whatever trial we have, through whatever health trouble we had, if we took a day in seven, what would, what would happen? To think about the things that, that, to think about creation, to think about our redemption, to think about our creator, to think about redemption. If, would it make a difference if the stock market crashed? Would it make a difference if your IRA suddenly didn't have any money in it? Or if you'd invested in Bitcoin? Would it make a, <laughs> would it make a difference if our society were going crazy, which it quite literally is, if we took one day in seven, what would happen? If we thought about our Creator and our Redeemer, if we turned our eyes on Jesus. Well, I think the things of earth would look strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. That's what I think would happen. So there, there isn't really, I mean, the question maybe shouldn't even be, should we observe the Sabbath? It, it maybe should be, do we get to? How can we get to observe the Sabbath? If, if we as Christians thought about this, boy, a day in seven to think about this, to set our minds on things above, not on the things that are earth, would it make a difference? So we, we all, I, I think probably everybody in here thinks that this is a good idea. Anybody, anybody think it's a bad idea to set your minds on things above? And less on the things on earth, and not on the things that are on earth. So, God has built this day, right? He has built a day of rest for us. Most people in this country do not work seven days a week. So regardless of what you think about the Sabbath, you probably have a day that you could treat like the Sabbath. So, we've got a day. Granted by God for us. So, if we want to set our minds on things above, and we don't want to do it on that day, when do you think we're going to do it? What's the plan? What's the plan for how we're going to Set our mind on things above, not on the things that are on earth. Because the Lord will be there. We know that the Lord will meet us there. Stone tablets, real quickly, and then we will close. And he gave gave to Moses when he had finished speaking with him. On Mount Sinai, the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone, written with the finger of God. So these are, on the list, the last, the last things that, that, that are needed to go into the tabernacle. Uh, they, later, something else is added, but these are, these are, the, these are the things. They go inside 
the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Testimony. That is, they are under the mercy seat. They are in the Holy of Holies. They are surrounded by the incense, the fragrant incense, where the Lord would meet with the high priest as he bears the names of the children of Israel on his heart. That's where these stone tablets go. And we have Christ as our high priest, bearing our names before the Lord, before God the Father, um, on his heart, interceding for us.